Well, he is risen. Oh, you guys doing that so good. Let's do it one more time. He is risen. Amen. Isn't it good to celebrate a risen Lord? Well, hello, everybody. Glad that you have decided to be here with us today. Hello to all of you joining us online at home. We are so glad that you have been here as well. Uh, go ahead and take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8. Luke's in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. It's one of the Gospels. Hopefully you uh, picked up some uh, notes to follow along with me on your way in today. We're going to put the Bible verses and all the material up on the screen. You can scan the QR code with your cell phone and follow along with me today as well. So today we're going to enter the movie, The Life of Jesus, okay? Now, the Christmas story represents the beginning of the movie, okay? And then the resurrection and everything after, it's about the last 10 minutes, all right? So just kind of put that in your framework with this today as we go forward. And since today's Easter, let's go right to the last 10 minutes of the movie. Jesus has just been crucified three days ago. Yesterday was a Sabbath, and today, Sunday, he's risen. Woo! Let's hear it, church. Come on. All right. So that's what we're celebrating today. And as we go into this movie, we're going to toggle between two different time periods. We're going to toggle between the first actual original Easter day at two points of the day, and then we're going to go back to the second year of Jesus's ministry in a specific uh, scenario, okay? So let's do that. Let's go back into the second year of Jesus's ministry real quick, and Jesus is going to encounter a guy by the name of Jairus, okay? And there's two other things that happen on the Easter Sunday. We'll hit those as well. So my hope today is that you will uh, connect with God and that you will see that no matter how much life has beat you down, that no matter how much you are feeling like life has got you in the pressure cooker, that no matter what has happened to you in your past, I want you to know that to the title of today's message is for you. It's not over until it's over. And even then, it's not over. Amen. So again, hopefully you grabbed an outline on your way in. All right, so we're going back to the second year of Jesus' ministry. Jesus has just healed the demon-possessed man on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. He gets into a boat, and now he's heading back across the lake to the western shore to the town of Capernaum, and that's where we're picking up the story. Luke chapter 8, let's begin in verse 40. So now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Now let me just stop right there. Who's this Jairus guy? Jairus was the synagogue leader. He oversaw all of the activities in the synagogue. And the synagogue, if you don't know, it was the local Jewish worship center. So he saw, he oversaw all the family activities, all the worship services, the benevolence ministries, everything. Okay? And here's the thing about Jairus. He was a Jewish leader. So he was part of the Pharisees. He was part of the scribes. And those guys, they didn't like Jesus. He, they, uh, Jesus cramped their style because Jesus was against their organized religious machine, and they were against him. And so when you think about this whole Easter story now, 
These were the people that ultimately led to Jesus' crucifixion. So here he is, he's falling at the feet of Jesus, and why would he do that? Because he believed that Jesus was special. He believed that Jesus could do the impossible. He had heard about some of these other miracles that Jesus had done. And so, since his only daughter was dying, nothing else from the doctors was working. And Jairus was in a very desperate situation. So he comes to Jesus and he asks him, to heal his daughter. And Jesus, being Jesus, he says, yes. And the text goes on. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So in other words, congregation, there was no social distancing going on. All right? And in the crowd comes another person with a need now. Verse 43. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. This woman had a bleeding disorder. And she has spent all of her money on doctors. None of them were able to help her. And as a result, she was deemed unclean by the Jewish people because of the Levitical law. And now she was not allowed to participate in Worship services in the synagogue. Now verse 44. So she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people, they are crowding and pressing against you. In other words, Jesus, you've got to get to Jairus' house, dude. Right? The girl's dying. You need to move quicker, my friend. But Jesus has a different idea. Verse 46. Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. In verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jairus, your daughter is dead. Tell that Jesus guy that he can go on about his day. You don't need him anymore. And again, Jairus, he ran the synagogue, which means that Jairus was a very prominent person in the community. Most of the community events happened through the synagogue's ministry. And because he was a well-connected leader, he had a comfortable living situation. He was financially secure, and he was pretty much in control of whatever happened in town. But his daughter, with her sickness, caused him to be into a place where he didn't have much control. And what is true for all of us in this story is this. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you live. In all of us, built into our human nature is the desire for comfort, for security, and control. It's in all of us. And by the way, it's been like that ever since Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, sin entered the world. 
And we've been desiring comfort, security, and control ever since. And I know some of you might be sitting here thinking, Pastor, I'm not a control freak. Trust me. It's in you too. It's in all of us because we all like things to go our way and we like things to go according to our plans. That's how it is. And so when you think back over the last three years now, since the beginning of the pandemic, is that that's exactly what we had to give up. We had to give up comfort. We had to give up security. And we lost being in control of things. The very things that we crave the most as humans. And see, when we don't get those things, it creates all kinds of issues in us. We experience psychological issues, emotional issues, even physical issues. This is where anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff comes from. So here we are in Easter, 2023. We're still desiring those things every day. But God wants to teach us something, number one in your outline. God wants to teach us that comfort and security and control, they are illusions. Only Jesus offers hope and peace. So wherever you're at in life, And whatever you're going through, Jesus says to you today the same thing that he said to Jairus 2,000 years ago. And we're going to see it in just a second. He says, don't be afraid. Because Jairus was just like most dads out there. His daughter was sick. And he was willing to do whatever he had to do to help his baby girl. I know I would do the same thing for mine. And so Jairus goes for broke and he goes to Jesus, somebody that his own peers couldn't even stand. And yet he comes to Jesus because somehow he believed that Jesus could do the impossible. So in your outline, Easter, it is all about turning to the one who demonstrates that no one is hopeless. No one is hopeless, congregation. No one. And that's the Easter story. The power of God Almighty that raised Christ from the dead. This very power gives us hope. It gives everyone who believes hope. And for those of us in here today that are believers in Christ, we believe that that same power lives within us. Each and every day. And here's the part to get a hold of. As believer, that very very power is not just something that we say, oh, we get to go to heaven when we die. Yes, that's true, but it's so much more than that. It's about living day in and day out, 24-7, 365, Sundays to Saturdays, every week, knowing that we have victory in Jesus. We just sang about it. That we have victory regardless of the circumstances that come at you in this life. So Jesus says to us today, right here in 2023, the same thing that he said to Jairus 2,000 years ago. Someone who lost his comfort, lost his security, and was not in control. And you see it in verse eight of Luke, uh, verse 50 of Luke 8. Hearing this, Jesus says to Jairus, say it with me, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Congregation, this is what Jesus says 
to you. Now let's flash forward in the movie. Back to the original Easter day. In the morning. The women. They're heading to the tomb. And they went there expecting to find a dead body of Jesus. They were not expecting a resurrection. And just a little bit of a context here. The ladies' job was to go and fix the botched job that the men did on Friday. So we got that out of the way now, okay? All right. But they had to wait till Sunday. They couldn't do it Saturday because Saturday was the Sabbath. Can't work on Saturday. So Sunday morning, as soon as the sun comes up, they're on their way there. And their job was to give Jesus' body a proper burial. So here they are. They're on their journey to the tomb, and an angel shows up. Matthew 28, verse 5. The angel said to the women, here it is, do not be afraid. Same thing Jesus says to Jairus. Don't be afraid. And the angel continues. For I know that you are looking for Jesus. Same day. Fast forward now to the night. In the evening time. The disciples are in the room. And Jesus appears to them. Luke 24, verse 36. Jesus stood, himself stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. Now, it's interesting to see the correlation here. Don't be afraid and peace be with you are almost the exact same thing. Okay? And you can see the heartbeat of God through both of these issues here. And you'll see that if you read scripture that it's consistent over and over and over in the New Testament. God says to us, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. That's what he says to you and me today. Now let's go back to the story of Jesus and Jairus. Back to Luke chapter 8. Look at with me at verse 51. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Now a little context here. In those days, it was common to hire a professional mourning choir. Now think about that. Whenever somebody died, you would hire these people and they would stand outside of your house and they would just cry and wail like, yeah, really loud. It's what they did. And the purpose was so that the whole community would know that somebody has passed away at that person's house. So they're mourning and they're wailing and Jesus comes out of the house and scripture says this, he says, stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. And then verse 53 says, they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. These mourners, they mocked Jesus. They thought he was absolutely crazy. They believed that this young girl was as dead as a doornail. And then here's Jairus, desperate, hoping for a miracle, hoping that Jesus could do the impossible. But before Jesus healed that girl, with all the mocking going on and the disbelief by the mourners, the naysayers, if you will, it's quite possible that Jairus himself had a belief and he started to struggle. 
his faith maybe started wavering a little bit. And he started wondering if Jesus could really heal his daughter. You know, he had some fear going on now. You know, there was sure to be some doubt going on. I mean, that's exactly how it is for you and I. We're told to just believe, but yet we struggle to believe the word of God all the time. So in your outline, there's a life lesson for us to pick up on here. It's you have to be mindful of who you listen to. There's two amazing words that have so much power over us. It's whenever somebody says, you can't. You can't. Now, isn't that true, congregation? Whenever somebody says that, it just weighs us down. But as parents, we tell our kids when they're growing up, hey, you can't do that. But as adults, when we hear that, we internalize it and it affects us really bad. The naysayers, they end up having a field day with us. They say things like this. You can't have a successful marriage. You can't have healthy kids. You cannot get out of financial debt. You can't move forward in your career. You can't go back to school. You have kids and you have responsibilities. And the list goes on and on and on. And not only do these naysayers say these things, but then the enemy gets in on us, messes with our minds, and then we say these things to ourselves. And then we start to believe it. That was the whole last series we just did. And so we have to be mindful of who and what we listen to and what and who we allowed have influence into our life, especially negative influence. So I want to encourage you today, congregation. Listen to Jesus. He's the only one who has demonstrated that no one is hopeless. Comfort, security, control are all illusions. Only Jesus offers hope and peace. Number two in your outline. Jesus sees nothing as dead or beyond hope. And that's part of the good news, right? That's, that's the good news because none of us are beyond hope. Amen. Look again now at verse 50 of chapter 8 of Luke. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. What does he say? He says, just believe. Just believe and she will be healed. And again, this is the struggle that we have, right? Jesus says, just believe and she'll be healed. But the mourners, they represent the unbelieving world out there. The world thinks that she's dead. But Jesus comes in and says, no, no, she's just sleeping. She's just sleeping. But the world responds in disbelief, and they don't like what he says. And they laugh at him, and they scoff, and they say, how silly. How stupid is that? Jesus can't do that. And if you think about it, you can see the similarities of this story right here with the world that we live in today. We see this every day in our life. The Bible says that there is hope in Christ. And I believe it's true. But the world out there, they mock that truth. They call all of us 
who believe what the Bible says, they call us stupid and uneducated. The world thinks that it is a complete waste of time for you to be sitting in this pew right now. And for those of you watching at home, they think you're wasting your time too. But listen, God does not think you're wasting your time right now. I don't either, and neither do the people sitting around you. In fact, for those of us who believe in a literal resurrection of Jesus, we believe in a God that did and still does amazing things. Yeah, go ahead and clap. We believe in a God who can bring a dead person back to life. And that's the Easter story. That's pretty amazing. Jesus rose from the dead. Why did he do that? Because he needed to show everybody that he and he alone is Lord of life and death. And verse 54 of Luke chapter 8, Jesus demonstrates his lordship for the second time in one day because he's already healed the bleeding woman and now in verse 54 it says this. But he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. Now notice this. What does it say? Verse 55. Her spirit returned. Now I want you to circle those words in your outline. Her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. So in your outline, I want you to internalize this truth, church, this morning. God is a God who makes the impossible possible. So let's flash forward now, back to that original Easter day, still in the evening. Back to the room where the disciples are there. Jesus appears to them. But this time now, different nuance. Let's take the narrative from the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20, reading from the NIV, John lets lets us in on a different piece here. He says, on the evening of that first day of of the week when the disciples were together, look what it says, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Let me just stop right there at the comma. That is what fear will do, folks. These guys had spent three years with Jesus. They ran with him day and night, and they saw all the miracles. They were there. They watched him turn water into wine, the healing of the blind man, the calming of the storm, the feeding of the 5,000, and the list goes on and on. They saw Jesus do this. And three days earlier... They watched their best buddy get nailed to a cross. They saw him placed into a tomb, and now they're getting word that they can't find the body, man. Oh, no. Who stole him? And here are these same guys. The text says that fear of the Jewish leaders has come into their life. And so now they've locked the door. And here's the fact. They were afraid to move forward in faith because of their fear. 
That is the power of fear, my friends. It is absolutely crippling. And many of you have personally experienced it. The text continues. And Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. There it is again. Now notice what happens next, verse 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then what? The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I would be too, to be honest with you, right? Jesus shows up and their problem was solved. Their fear went away. And that is what we can learn from this in your outline. Every problem has a God-given solution. And this is a powerful point to grab a hold of, congregation, because so often when we run into problems, then we make bad decisions, and then we end up in the ditch in life. And many of us, what we do is we run to the world and we ask them for solutions. We consult everybody and everything but God. And now why is that? Because honestly, we lack faith. Just like the disciples did right here in this text. And when that happens, fear sets in, and that's just how it goes. So beloved, I want you to know that godly solutions are exactly what we need for life's problems. God's word gives us the wisdom and the guidance that we need. And every time that we follow the Lord's teaching and his wisdom and his guidance, it produces faith inside of us. And whenever we have rising faith, fear diminishes. Because faith and fear cannot coexist in the same space at the same time. So God made us in his image. He loves us. He cares for us. And he understands exactly what we're going through in life. Nothing is too big for him to handle. It reminds me of that song that I learned as a little kid. My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You got to remember that song if you grew up in church. If not, that's okay. But that's what I sang when I was a little kid way back in the old days. In the 1980s. The, oh, that's, in fact, that's like last century. Okay, the old days. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's not the old days, Pastor Wayne. <laughs> yeah, man, the old days. Woo! Nothing is too big for God to handle. He's given us his word. His word is there to guide us, to help us, to give us wisdom each and every day of our life. And yes, does the Lord use people in the world? He does. He uses doctors and your friends and nurses and counselors and medication and all these things to help us. But the first place that we need to run to for help should be God's word. In other words, we just need to ask this question. I've got a problem in life. God, what do you say about this? 
What, what does the word say about this? And when we think of the Easter story now, back on that first Easter morning with the ladies, they went to the tomb expecting to find the dead body of Jesus. He's not there. They weren't expecting a resurrection. But what I have found is often in our life, what we expect, that's exactly what we find. And sometimes it may not even be a very good thing. Because if we expect our marriage not to heal, it won't. If we expect to not get out of financial debt, we won't. If we expect to fail, we often do. You name it. If we expect to, whatever it is, often that's exactly what we get. And as a believer, because of the Easter story, in our day Today, today lives, truthfully, we need to, by faith, expect the unexpectable. Why? Because our God is one who makes the impossible become possible. And for those of you who are new to Jesus or you're new to church, or maybe you only visit church one to two times a year, and that's kind of your story, and maybe you're a little bit skeptical to this whole Jesus thing to begin with. Can I just tell you, I'm really glad you're here today. And for those of you watching online, I'm really glad you joined us. Thank you. I want you to check something out here. There's a room full of people right here. Many have a living testimony of what God has done in their life. And some of them have a list a mile long. And these folks, me included, we have experienced and expected the unexpectable, and we've watched God do the impossible and make it possible. So what's the lesson here? God wants us to live by faith because he has solutions to the problems that we face in everyday life. So let's go back now. Back to Luke chapter 8. Look again now at verse 50. What did Jesus tell Jairus to do? He said, just Believe, and she will be healed. You see, church, belief is the beginning. Belief is the beginning point to experiencing the unexpectable. Belief is the starting point to experiencing the amazing power of the Lord Jesus in your life. And what you're going to see through both of these scenes today is that the Lord Jesus sees nothing as dead or beyond hope. It was true 2,000 years ago, and it is still true today. Amen? So that brings us to today, Easter 2023. We've all entered the Lord's house today. Maybe you're watching us online. And for some of you, life has you with your back against the wall. You're not experiencing any kind of peace whatsoever. You're stressed out to the max. The pressure cooker is on. Your marriage is rocky. You're in debt up to your neck. Maybe you have a sick family member. Whatever it is your situation. You're wondering, what do I do next? And maybe you're feeling like life is even beyond hope for you. Just like Jairus. And you're in a place of desperation. Honestly, you need a miracle. And if that describes you, I ask you this question. Do you know 
Jesus? Have you ever put your faith and your trust in him? And if not, then I want to encourage you today to put your faith in him so that you can know him and understand his amazing grace. You know that grace that we've sang in the past, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like this bald guy on the stage. Okay? Yes, Jesus, he was beaten with a cat of nine tails. And he was beaten into a bloody mess. And he went through that for you because of his grace. Yes, Jesus, he died on a cross. Those nails went through his hands and his feet. And he did all that because of his grace for you. Yes, he rose from the dead. And he did it because of his grace for you. Folks, Let me be the first person or the next person to tell you, Jesus loves you, and he sees hope for you. And so I want to invite you today to understand his grace better. So next week, I'm starting a new sermon series called The Ultimate Lifestyle. You have the card in your bulletin. I want to invite you back next week. Because we're going to explore for the next month Romans chapter 8. And we're going to see just how much God loves us. God is for you. He's not against you. And we're going to explore what his grace means for us in real life. It's going to be awesome. So I want to encourage you. Come back next week. You'll be so glad you did. But as we wind down today. I want to give you two application steps, two ways to experience the hope that Jesus offers all of us. The first way is this, number one, to surround yourself to Easter-thinking people. Now, what do I mean by that? People who believe in the resurrection of Christ. People who believe that all things are possible through Christ. And I even want to encourage you to become one yourself. Remember, the world laughed at Jesus. They thought he was crazy and stupid. We saw that in the story. You and I hear about it in our lives. They're advising you to stay clear of Jesus, people, and sure as heck, don't go to a church. But as we can see from the text of Scripture, the truth is, my friend, peace and hope only come in this life through Christ. That's it. So if you want true peace in your life, you will not find it any other place than through Christ. You just won't. And so the key thought here, maybe you need to lose your distractions. Ask yourself, what external influences are keeping you from following Christ? Who or what is keeping you from knowing God's mission for your life? Whatever they are, I encourage you. Lose your distractions. Don't let them keep you from hearing Jesus, the one true God. Don't let them keep you from accomplishing your God-given purpose in life. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus did. In our story today, we saw that. He boxed out his distractions. He surrounded himself with the right people. We saw that in verse 51. You can take a look at it again. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's family. No distractions when he was going to do his work. 
Finding hope and peace only comes through knowing Christ, congregation. Finding Christ does not come from surrounding yourself with nice people. There's a lot of nice people out there that don't know God. It only comes from surrounding yourself with, listen, the right people. People who they themselves follow Jesus. Easter thinking people. Now, you may not have ever heard this before. Maybe you have. And this is a sermon for a whole other day, but your friends are going to determine the quality and the direction of your life. Choose wisely. A second way to experience the hope that Jesus offers. Number two is this. To remember that it's not over till it's over. And even then, it's not over. And the key thought here is this. Commit to Jesus. Jesus is inviting every person in the world to join him and become his disciple. That means he wants you. Yes, you. And he invites you to come and be a part of the kingdom of God no matter what is in your past. How can he do that, you say? Real simple. Because he is God. Now, you may not have ever heard that before either. But Jesus was God in human flesh, and he lived a perfect life, free from sin, so he could bear our atoning and be our atoning sacrifice. And he did that through the cross. And then after he died, because he is the sovereign Lord over life and death, he conquered death and hell as well. And so the story of Jesus and Jairus' daughter was one of those demonstrations of his sovereign lordship. The story concludes, look again with me, verse 54. So he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. And her spirit returned and at once she stood up and here's the conclusion. Then Jesus told them, give her something to eat. So now she's having lunch. Anybody else hungry? Just a minute, I'll get you out of here, all right? She's having lunch. And I love this part, verse 56. Her parents were astonished. And he ordered them to, shh, don't tell anybody what you saw. Don't tell anybody what's happened. Jesus gave life back to this 12-year-old girl, all because of his love and his grace. And this little girl's life was never going to be the same again. And this little girl's life wasn't over until the Lord Jesus said it was. It's not over till it's over. And even then, it's not over. And the truth is this, neither is yours or mine. Because when you commit your life to Christ, and when you invite him to be your Lord and Savior, the truth is, is your life will be like this 12-year-old little girl. Because at that exact moment, you will come into actual eternal life. Your old nature will die, and you will be spiritually reborn. And made into a new creation. And Jesus will call you his. He will adopt you into his family. And all of your past and your present. And even your future sin. Will be forgiven at one moment. And you will be granted eternal life with Christ. And that is the power of the Easter story congregation. Jesus' resurrection was about showing the power of God. It was about validating who Jesus claimed to be. It was about proving Jesus' deity, that he was God. 
It validated all of the Old Testament prophecies that foretold his sufferings, his crucifixion, and even his resurrection. And the resurrection showed the world that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. The resurrection is the ultimate, triumphant, and glorious victory for every believer. And Jesus invites you, yes, you, to be a part of that by having a personal relationship with him. And when you take him up on his offer, you will, brother and sister, you will experience his victory in your life and you will experience a personal resurrection. Amen? I'm gonna invite you to stand and if you'll pray with me this morning. Father, we just come before you right now to say, Lord God, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather together today in this room and join online as well and and just share together in celebration for what you have done. The single greatest event in all of human history blows our minds. You rose from the dead. Lord, we're just in awe of you. And so, God, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us. We thank you for the ministry that you had to Jairus so long ago and with his daughter and the bleeding woman. Lord, we thank you for showing us your power and healing them. And in effect, God, showing us that you are ready, willing, and able to heal our lives as well. Lord, many of us come into this room today with problems. These problems are no surprise to you but you see, because you see every part of our life. And so, Father, we know that we need you, and Lord, we know that you're willing if we just believe in faith to heal our issues. So, God, I pray for everybody in this room this morning. God, I pray that they would have increased faith, just like Jairus, to believe in faith, to trust you at your word, God. Lord, we submit our concerns to you today. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you give us. We don't deserve them, but you give them to us anyways because of your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the most awesome gift of them all. Life with you. Life with you for all eternity. Because believing in you and confessing and trusting and desiring you. And congregation, if you're here today, and if you've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never committed your life to Christ, listen to me, today is your day. This is your opportunity right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, church, we're praying for God to work a miracle right now. So if you're sensing faith and if you'd like to receive Christ into your life right now, it's as simple as ABC. It is just admit that you're a sinner. You know, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. B is just believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. And C is to confess him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And so if that's you and if you're sensing faith, I just want you to pray this, this prayer and repeat it after me in the silence of your heart right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again for me. I need you. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Come live in me so I can follow you for the rest of my life. It's in your name that I pray and all God's people said, amen. The Bible says that for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I encourage you, let's worship together right now.